Welcome back to the Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Mudge Riley. I changed careers back in the early 2000s, and I found it difficult to find credible, reliable resources to help me. So once I successfully transitioned to a non-clinical career, I made it my mission to help other physicians who are looking at a possible non-clinical or non-traditional career, whether part-time, full-time, or just diversifying their career with a non-clinical side gig. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Robin Tiger. I have known Robin for over a decade now, which is just amazing to me. And so we'll talk a little bit about that and about her journey because she is truly a pioneer in what she has done. And when she was thinking about doing this years and years ago, when I was helping to coach her, I just was amazed at what she was able to accomplish. And since then, she has just taken it to the next level. So let's talk to her about all the things she has going on today and um, first, though, we'll lo- I'd love to hear about your background. So hi, Robin. <laughs> hi. <laughs> so um, tell everyone a little bit about your background and what is your specialty and a little bit about how you found me and then sort of what you've done over the years. Okay. So my background in medicine is in diagnostic radiology and how we connected was that I am considered kind of the camp counselor of my medical school class. <laughs> I'm always involved in, in medical school. I was the one that's always getting all the parties together. And in, you know, past that, I'm the one that gathers people together for our reunions. And so, yeah, it's probably a decade or so ago, uh, I was getting on the phone and calling everyone. I think that we were still not really doing a lot of computer stuff. And I'm an old fashioned person anyway. So I get on the phone and I called everyone in my class and one of my classmates who I called Dr. Richie Newman, uh, he and I were chatting about what he's been doing cause he had transitioned into pharma. And I was telling him about what was going on with me and how I really was not really feeling fulfilled and all the things that were going on with me my, in my practice of medicine. And he said, you have got to connect with Michelle. And so that was our first connection. And at that time, I remember you were, we were on the phone a lot and we were emailing. We didn't have this, this visual. Um, And we talked for many hours and we spent many hours emailing each other. And that was my introduction into it's okay to transition and how to do that. So Thank you. <laughs> well, well, thank, thanks for reminding me about Richie. I, I completely forgot about yeah. how he was our facilitator um, mm-hmm. and how we got introduced, but that's right. Yeah. So tell me, what were you talking with me about? What were you hoping to do? So I, in the beginning of my interest in medicine, which began in third grade when I saw a skeleton and realized that that was actually inside our bodies and not just a Halloween costume, (laughs) not just a decoration, um, really was fascinated with the human body at an early, early age and knew that I wanted to be a physician early on. And then of course, fast forward, interestingly enough, (laughs) I went into radiology and I got to peer inside all those bodies and see those skeletons and everything else going on. Um, But over time, Medicine, particularly in radiology where I was living, changed. 
we were no longer in a very gregarious reading room with films and collaborating and with each other. Um, it became a very lonely, isolating field where we were sitting in front of a computer, everything was digitized. We were talking into a, a microphone which had voice activated transcription. And we were doing this in a dark room for nine to 10 hours a day. And that was not the intellectually stimulating, gregarious, really social and wonderful radiology that I had signed up for. And I became increasingly unhappy, unfulfilled, imbalanced, stressed out. Also became a rat race. We were judged by our RVUs. Your value was how many RVUs you brought to the group every single day, every single month. And we started getting graphs and charts and everything like this. So if you were to take time to speak with a patient, to talk to a physician, to help solve a problem, to consult with a colleague, you weren't getting RVUs for those things. And so the isolation was not only in the way technology had progressed, but we became isolated from one another in that others didn't want to talk with you, you know, take away from that RVU production. And I just said, this is what I signed up for. Um, and in addition to just talking myself into going to work every day, you know, really having to get out of bed and just talk myself into getting into my car, I got sick and sick. I mean, didn't know what was going on initially, but I developed migraine headaches. I had tinnitus. My gums were bleeding. I had aches and pains all over my body and weird things were happening intermittent paresthesias, for example, where I would be in the middle of a breast biopsy and my tech would say, Dr. Tiger, you're right at the lesion. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I know that. But I couldn't actually pull the trigger. My hands were numb or one hand was numb. I, of course, was convinced I had a neurologic disease, some debilitating neurologic disease, right? Because that's what we all do. We start, <laughs> we start looking things up. But it started to become clear to me that although these were disconnected, there has to be some sort of connection. And I'd seen many, many medical specialists. I was on all kinds of medications. I started to have really dark thoughts, like suicidal thoughts, that it's hard for me to even say that but it's true. I had an amazing husband, amazing children. I had a great job peripherally. We were all healthy without all the stuff I just described. What do I have to be depressed, suicidal, sick about, right? So there was all that guilt that came on top of all of that. Mm -hmm. And after I took medications for a while and after I went to therapy and nothing was working, I actually got worse. I kept getting worse because the answers to what I was feeling had nothing to do with the meds I was taking, had nothing to do with the therapy that I was getting. There was something else. And so I just said, I gotta figure this out. I have got to figure this out. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how I'm gonna fix it, but I've gotta figure it out. And I kept seeing all this talk and reading about 
yoga and meditation. And I always kind of thought it was, well, those are those people that stand on their head and twist their bodies into weird shapes and say weird languages and play weird music and wear all the spandex. <laughs> this, is, this is, I'm not doing that, yeah. you know, but I kept, I kept seeing it and seeing it. And then one new year's, I saw an advertisement for a local studio, which was down the street from my home. And they offered this yoga 101. And my next door neighbor and I kind of turned our gnomes up, but she was a nurse and I'm a doctor. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we said, you know, why don't we give it a try? Why don't we give it a try? Sounds kind of informal. And maybe, maybe it's something, maybe we'll learn something. So tail between my legs, <laughs> her next to me. We dragged ourselves in the first time to this studio as our new year's resolution of trying something new. And at the end of that first session, I didn't know what hit me. I was calm. I felt grounded. I felt in control. And I was looking around like, oh, I mean, like is, this, is this really in my wake? Is this really happening? And I actually couldn't remember the last time I felt that way, or if I ever actually felt that way. And so I kept going and I kept going and I finished out that beginner series and I stayed on. I stayed on as taking classes there and my left brain was going, mm, my scientific mind can't turn off, right? We, we can't help but try and figure stuff out. And so I started doing some research and I dove into the medical literature and I was amazed at how many research studies were there documenting the benefits of yoga, but meditation. And while I was going through these classes, these sessions in not too long a period of time, guess what disappeared? My migraines my tinnitus, my vertigo, my reflux, which I may not have mentioned earlier, the bleeding gums, the intermittent paresthesias and everything else, including those dark thoughts. And so we may have met around this time. I think I may have been still just a student. And we started talking together, I think about, well, what do you wanna do? <laughs> and I said, you know, I think you were sending me different choices, lots of different choices of medical related transition positions. And although I kept thinking about them, I just kept coming back to yoga meditation. And I said, I don't know what I can do with this, but I know that the one thing we weren't taught in medical school was that we can, in any moment, control our neurophysiology simply and effectively. We just never learned how to do it. I don't know why, but we never did. And I learned that there was a field called yoga therapy. So a lot of people don't know this, but a yoga teacher requires a base level of education of about 200 hours. 
But yoga therapist is at least a thousand hours. And then that takes you into more specialty areas. So that began my journey first as a yoga teacher, then as a yoga therapist, and then went on to several other areas of interest like meditation and coaching. So that's where it began. <laughs> wow. You know, I think you were, you were still going through a lot of that because mm -hmm. you weren't able to put it really all together at the time. So mm -hmm. we were doing our best to figure out, all right, what is a good transition for you? You knew that being in medicine was very detrimental for you at the time. And so, and, but yeah, you did keep going back to yoga therapy and I think you even mentioned some of the training and then, then we lost touch for a while mm -hmm. and we've recently reconnected um, this past year actually. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to see all that you did during those times. So can you tell everyone kind of how this has evolved into a career for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was so great to reconnect with you, by the way. Yeah. Um, you, I was so excited to see you and to see you <laughs> as an expert in um, the life coaching programs in this summer. And I'm just wonderful how circled back around. Although I'm not a life coach, I want to make sure everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you helped so many. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm your seedling. <laughs> And how I've just sprouted and grown into this. You, you know. did. I mean, one of the best, the best things I've ever planted. So yeah, tell us how, where are these programs and what have you developed? Because I know you've been published in this. And yeah. I mean, this is a big, big deal. This is not a lifestyle business. This You're mm -hmm. a trailblazer here. <laughs> and you're really making money too. <laughs> yes, you can. And so... It started out, as I mentioned, first the education. And for me, it's, it's many layers of education. And so whenever I find something that's beneficial to me personally, as I think of myself as a laboratory, <laughs> so I'm just one big experiment. So when things really work for me, then I need to go on to learn them more deeply so that I can share effectively, safely, appropriately, and in an evidence-based, culturally sensitive way. So it started with yoga therapy. And while I was in yoga therapy, I learned that there were additional areas of interest of mine that I could fulfill in those studies. And that included the cancer population. So as a radiologist, as you can imagine, I spent a good portion of my time diagnosing cancer, biopsying cancer, and giving at times the results to patients of you have cancer, those three really horrifying words. And I always wanted to be able to help them more. You know, I wanted to be able to help them getting ready for their biopsies. I wanted to be able to help them when I would see them coming in for their appointments time after time, whether it be through their chemo and radiation post-surgery, whether it be beyond that, because I would see the physical, the emotional, the psychological debilitation. Mm -hmm. And they would be sending me cards, gifts, trying to connect me with their, with their sons. Sometimes I got marriage proposals, right? <laughs> and, and they thought I saved their lives. And in a way, many times I felt that I was actually causing the downward spiral of their life with their diagnosis, mm -hmm. even if it was maybe temporary. Mm -hmm. So my first thought was, how can I support the cancer population? So I went on to study yoga for cancer, um, 
through Y4C and through another few organizations, Yoga for Breast Cancer, Recovery Beyond, so that I could really understand more what was safe and effective in working with this population. And so that was the first population that I began to support through classes, through conferences, through workshops. And you mentioned publishing, that was the population I was able to get involved in some really wonderful research um, for CIPN, which is chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. Mm. And this is one area in the cancer, um, the cancer world that has yet to be published. There's a lot of yoga and meditation out there for many different types of symptoms related to the treatment of cancer, but no one had yet published on CIPM. And I had noticed in working privately with my clients, as well as in working in the group setting, that anecdotally, they've improved. And then a, a physical therapist who is a world-renowned researcher as well in the cancer community reached out to me. We were connected through a physical therapy colleague, another one. And she said, would you be willing to create the protocol for this study I want to do? I'd like to do a protocol on evaluating the effectiveness of yoga therapy and meditation for individuals suffering from CIPN. She herself was a cancer thriver and had found the practices helpful for herself. So she had her own anecdotal experience. I had my anecdotal experience by teaching. And so we came together and we created a study, two pilots actually, um, where we had participants in person and in home programming, doing yoga therapy meditation in the protocol that I created. And the results were really, really amazing. Um, it just warms my heart thinking about it to, to know that for the first time in decades for some of them, they actually found relief. So those two pilots were, were published in the last couple years. And I recently wrote a book chapter for Yoga Therapy and the Cancer Continuum, which is coming out probably next year. Wow. Yeah. So what else? So the other populations, trauma, my goodness, we all experience trauma, right? So we have trauma practicing medicine is trauma in itself, trauma in our lives, whether it be, you know, growing up, you know, childhood trauma, whether it be the everyday trauma. Now we've got the, the coronavirus, right? We've got COVID, whether it's directly or indirectly impacting us. So there's so much trauma out there and stress is reportedly responsible for about 85% of what primary care physicians see as symptoms in their patients that come to them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to learn more about how I could share these teachings in a trauma-informed way. You know, what are the safe and effective ways in language, in movement, in creating a safe space? So I went on to study trauma-informed yoga therapy and join their faculty. Wow. And so I've been traveling nationally and teaching trauma-informed yoga therapy trainings to mental health care professionals and yoga professionals throughout the country so that they too can create these safe healing spaces for anyone with a history of trauma. Wow. So how can a physician who may be interested in this mm -hmm. follow in your footsteps mm. and and do some of these amazing things that are really 
helping patients in a different way. I mean, you're still very much that doctor in taking care of patients just in another way. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm more of a doctor. (laughs) I've actually become the doctor's doctor. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as I help these other populations, the cancer populations, anyone with trauma, I travel nationally for a company called O2X, teaching first responders, SWAT teams, firefighters, police officers, EMTs. I have been teaching programs for physicians and physicians over the years have been asking me, can you create something online? You know, either they've come to my workshops and my courses, or they've worked privately with me. And they say, I need this when you're not available to me or very busy physicians say, I can't, I don't have time to sign up for this. Or I can't commit to something at the same time every week. Mm-hmm. So I would always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And in my thinking mind, I don't know how to do that. You know, how could I create an online program? I don't have the first inkling of where to begin to do that. And I'm not tech savvy. And all of these negative thought processes would go through my head and I would just kind of put it aside and I was happy doing my thing. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic hit. And I started to see the suffering of physicians go up. They were already stressed. They were already anxious. 50% of physicians are burnout, out and the suicide rate is twice the national average. I've lost three physician colleagues to suicide. So I'm personally deeply passionate about changing this culture of medicine. Mm-hmm. And so when the pandemic hit, I just had this this fire that was really lit underneath me that it was selfish to not create this program that I needed to make these teachings, these tools that are so simple and so effective available as much as possible to anyone who needed them 24 seven. So I put my big girl pants on (laughs) and I took a bunch of courses. I took courses to teach me. It took about seven months so far in the pandemic since it started to learn what I needed to learn and innumerable hours on the phone with tech support, (laughs) live chat with tech support, emailing tech support to learn all these apps, to learn how to create content, to download everything from my brain and to put it in a format, in a funnel online. And so I created a program, which is specific for physicians called RX Inner Peace, which is teaching physicians how how to write their own RX, their own prescription for their self-care. Wow. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Um, It went live in October and I do have some physicians making some amazing progress now and it is CME accredited. So it is going to be CME accredited live launching with UNC Mayhack in just two more weeks, I think about, which is mid-January, depending on when you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. So physicians can, to answer your question, first learn the practices themselves, okay? Because it's very important not to just do one. It's see one, (laughs) do one, teach one. I mean, it's not just important to teach one. You have to do one first. You have to embody stuff first. You have to feel it in your body first, in your mind first to really get it. Yeah. If you get it, 
And this is something that you really, really want to do to teach, to change, to share. Then you can go on and educate yourself into how to do just that. You know, what areas are interesting to you? Yoga therapy, meditation, life coaching. There are so many areas where you can be supportive to other physicians that you can teach them what's missing in their lives, which is self-care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it sounds like that it's twofold helpful for physicians. One helps them figure out, helps us figure out what our own self-care, you know, regime maybe should be or should change to, Mm -hmm. because I know I definitely need more yoga and meditation in my life. And I know a lot of us just don't make time for that no matter Mm -hmm. what. I mean, I'm in a non-clinical job, but it's still very stressful. And Mm -hmm. so, but on the other hand too, it's, it's a way to kind of go through the process, find out if you do feel very deeply about it within, you know, your soul and, and really want to spread the word. And then finding your niche there. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like there's so much opportunity. The space is not saturated whatsoever. And there's so much need. It's evidence-based. Am am I hearing this right? You are hearing it right. There is, I actually created a reference list uh, for the participants in my program. And it's, I didn't realize it was nine pages long, (laughs) but through all of the areas that I teach, you know, Uh whether it be the stress response, neuroplasticity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, cart, you know, cardiac, you know, heart, very variability, uh, sleep, um, mindfulness. I mean, you name it. I have found articles on it, life coaching. I mean, this stuff is published in our medical literature. And I felt like this, like I was like wearing blindfolds for so long. Like I just, I wasn't, I wasn't aware. And it's, you know, whether you're choosing it just for yourself, whether you're choosing to share it, one of the big pieces that uh, came out in the physician who accredited my program for CME was that she sees the program as being very important for patient education. Mm. And that's already happening because the participants, the physicians in my program now are reporting to me, oh, I taught my patient this, I taught my patient that, this helped my patient this way. So imagine being able to teach your patient a simple and effective tool, a way to breathe, a way to move, a way to think without writing prescription. And imagine the ripple effect that that would have. Right, right. It's it's just so nice that this stuff is so much more accepted now. It's been a long time coming and Um, you're part of that movement that is really making it okay for physicians to think about this aspect of just health and not just the acute stuff and taking care of the symptoms and, and all the things we learned in med school. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's amazing. And, and you're speaking at my conference in March. So I'm so excited about that. So if you're listening to this and you want to talk to Robin, make sure that you check that out because she's going to be there speaking. She'll be part of the networking. You'll get to meet her. Um, and what we'll do is we'll also post some information about your course. So if there are any physicians that are listening right now that just are ready and they can't wait anymore, they can sign up and they can even email you and ask you questions, right? Yeah. And I even do live consults, so they can email me. I can hop on a live free consult. I love connecting. So I'm available. 
And so tell me how your symptoms are today. Are you, are you feeling any of these other the symptoms that you used to feel? Do you feel great? Um, has this kind of been the panacea for you? <laughs> yeah, I feel amazing. And the thing is that when I don't feel so amazing because that happens, right? Sometimes you feel anxious and you don't know why. Sometimes you wake up in a way where hmm, maybe you're not, your mind isn't quite right. Maybe my body hurts because I'm holding tension in my neck, my shoulders, my back, my <laughs> hips. You know, maybe I'm just off. Yeah. The thing is, I know what to do about it. Right. I know how to make it better. And it's not a pill. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the stress response. It's the stress response that we learned about in depth and just never knew that we actually can control it. <laughs> so thank goodness yeah. you're doing this. I, I, there are just so many applications and I'm, I'm going to check out your program too. Cause I always have those <laughs> stress responses. My shoulders get tight, you know, even though I love my work, it's still, I, I think as you do get older, these things happen a little bit more and more bad habits crop up and, um, it's just inevitable. So well, Robin, thank you so much for being part of this today and telling everyone your story and um, a little bit more about how they can get involved. Um, I think let's leave the listeners with, if they're interested in doing this and, um, and they're really ready right now, other than checking out your course, what would you recommend they do to, to really figure out if this is the path that they might want to go on? Well, again, I think that the path is under the umbrella of wellness. So first, the interest is wellness and whether that's physician wellness or wellness for another population, because there's so many avenues for wellness. So let's just, you know, focus on the, the umbrella, because I think that there's so much under that umbrella. And then if that umbrella for them includes learning more about yoga, learning more about meditation, then I just encourage them to check out a local studio right now. Everything's closed, but lots of things are still online. So a lot of the studios are offering live classes. I also teach two free live classes per week, and I am happy to give you that information. They started out for me bringing my Cancer Thrivers classes that I teach two free classes per week for them online. And then it just blossomed. And so many people throughout the pandemic have been very, very stressed and asked to join. Mm. So now it's international. I have people from China and Ireland and Scotland and France, and I forget how many different countries. And then throughout all of the time zones in the US, all the way through Alaska and Hawaii to the East Coast, chiming in at the same time to practice together virtually. So if you wanna take some free classes, I can give you that information and you're welcome anytime to check it out. Awesome, yes. All right, well, great. I'm definitely gonna join you. Um, I'm not very good at this stuff. So oh, there's no good or bad. There's no good or bad. That's okay. another misconception. <laughs> you can't do it wrong, really. <laughs> really, I am like the most inflexible person. I can mm. barely touch my toes. I've, I've gone <laughs> my whole life. So I've got all these really tight muscles that, you know, get worse and worse every year. I also teach from a chair. So okay. <laughs> I teach simultaneously from a chair in the floor. I've got 88 year olds. I've got, you know, adolescents. So <laughs> it's really open to everybody. Two words, everybody. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Old people's yoga. Sign me up. <laughs> awesome. All right, Robin. Well, thanks again so much for being part of this today. Um, we are looking forward to hearing more from you in March and probably before that, because you have so much going on. Mm-hmm. I'll post your information in the show notes and um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. You too, Michelle. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. If you are jazzed up after listening to this, hit that subscribe button or check out more at Physicians Helping Physicians, www.phphysicians with an S on the end.com. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you.